Welcome to Beyond the Microphone, a podcast about podcasters and the stories of how their shows came together, grew, and what they discovered along the way. I'm your host, Adam Baru. And as we get into our um, episode today, I want to first talk a little bit about video because, you know, a, a lot of podcasters think, you know, when they get into it, that audio is really what encompasses your entire podcast channel, if you will, and, and how you propagate your podcast. But don't ignore video. Um, I did my last podcast, The Change. We didn't record video. We just recorded audio. Um, and that's all we did. We just published on, you know, all the channels, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. And we never did anything with video. Um, and it, like, even if we captured video, that would have been the game changer for us. Because you know, with Beyond the Microphone and with um, all of the other podcasts that I produce, we're now getting heavy into video. And the, if you're not doing video, the, the number one thing you're missing out on is the marketing aspect of it. The short form video content that you can create and reuse for your marketing, not only promoting a particular episode, you may want to use that short form video to just promote the podcast in general. It's such a game changer when it comes to you know where you can propagate your marketing. So TikTok is now available to us. Um, Instagram Reels, um, clearly Facebook, and so on and so forth. And so you know what I've been able to witness now because I can actually do like a comparison with you know the podcast that I've worked on where we only did audio. We weren't even we were creating audiograms, but we weren't really doing any TikTok or anything truly with short form video and, and compared to now, um, how we're using it. Um, for example, one of what I wish I knew is one of the podcasts that I produce and work on. And so we're doing everything, you know, on video, we're putting on YouTube, obviously all the channels for audio. Um, the first video that we posted on YouTube just by itself got 1500 views in the first week. And that drove a ton of downloads to the audio platform. So you know, so there's that element of it as well. I mean, YouTube has a great algorithm. They're going to promote and market your episode for you in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, definitely getting the video out there. You know, it's not so much that people want to see you having your conversation, but all the things that you can do with it from both a distribution perspective and a marketing perspective. And the last thing I'll say before we get into our interview is... Do you need this fancy background? I mean, I would say yes, like do a nice background with great lighting if you can, but don't stop on doing anything while you're conceptualizing like a background. Like I don't have a great background. I'm going to be working on that and you'll see one one day. And by the time I have a new background, there's already going to be about 30 beyond the microphone episodes published. So you know, there's this idea of chasing perfection. Well, I don't want to start getting into it until I have my background and everything all figured out. Like, that's fine if that's who you are and, and you want to have everything buttoned up. But my take on things is you don't need that. You don't need to worry about that. Try to get away from this chasing perfection concept that often holds people back from actually getting started on an endeavor. So Again, um, if you're not doing video, highly recommended, if nothing else, for the marketing benefit that you're going to get from it alone. So with that, let's go ahead and introduce our guest here today. Um, his name is Jay Agner. He's the host of the podcast, 
the first customer that intimately dissects successful entrepreneurs' journeys to their first customer. Um, in the podcast, you learn real practical examples of regular people transforming into superheroes by starting their own business. The first customer has a listen score of 32 and is ranked in the top 5%. So with that, Jay, welcome to Beyond the Microphone. Hello, Adam. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. And we were talking a little bit before we, you know, hit record on this on this episode here about the fact that you and I both kind of wear multiple hats. You run a software or an IT company, I think in the QA space, if I'm not mistaken, as well as all the work you're doing in podcasting. Myself, I run an IT consulting company called Sweet Centric, as well as a podcast production company, EIQ Media Group, as well as um, Podtask, which is a software platform for podcasters as well as hosting and producing numerous podcasts. So um, between all of that, I mean, the first question I want to ask is is kind of more, I guess, taking back and kind of how you got started. I mean, were you working in the software space before you got into podcasting? What what came first? Uh, I've been doing software stuff, software testing for a long time. Uh, the podcast is, I would say, somewhat recent, I guess, maybe in the last year or so. Uh, I think around a year and a half ago, one of my good friends who has a podcast was like, man, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, that's the dumbest idea <laughs> I've ever heard. Like, I like nobody cares about what I do. And, you know, I mean, I do software quality assurance, which like is not the sexy part of software development by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I didn't really see how it fit. And then I don't even really remember what the real catalyst was. But I was like, you know what? Actually, I do remember. I was going to do one with a friend of mine. And we were going to do it on how to automate different parts of your business. He bailed on me. And I was like, I still want to do a podcast. And I was mm. like, I also, you know, uh, I get asked a lot of times from a lot of people once, you know, as I'm sure you know, you're a successful business owner. Uh, how do I do that? Like, how do I start a business? Like, how do I, how do I even get customers? Like, I don't even know how to do that. So then it just kind of dawned on me the first customer. And, um, you know, the rest is history. It's been about, I would say, six months. And then probably really got into it heavy the last three months or so, um, while still being the CEO of JDAQA, my software testing agency. With around yeah, well, folks. I mean, your listen score and the ranking, just if you've only been doing this for six months, I mean, that that's really good to get a top five placement in your ranking um, after only doing this for a few months. I don't months. know what that is, by the way. Just yeah, so, so, so listen notes is a very um, widely respected podcast database and API platform that catalogs every podcast out there. And I don't know ex- exactly how their algorithm is built. Um, they don't have access to download numbers, clearly. Like, that's something you would need to um, explicitly share. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they're probably looking at, like, reviews, ratings. Uh, I'm not, again, I don't know exactly how they come up with their algorithm. But um, the more and more conversations I have, like, it seems that more podcasters are aware of what Listen Notes is and what the Listen score is. And so a ranking of 32 is, is really good. I think kind of when podcasts kind of start out, when you first get your ranking, most podcasts on Listen Notes come in at like top 10% when you when you reach that level and around like a 25, 24 Listen score. So, you know, you're you're clearly on on the upper trajectory in that you're moving towards a better ranking, like versus like how I built this with Guy Raz, I think has like, you know, 
the listen score tops out, I believe, 100. I think how I built this is like in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, top half percent or something mm-hmm. you know, way up there. Top, you know, 0.1% even, I would, I would venture to guess. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, for anybody that doesn't know what it is, go check out listennotes.com. Look up your podcast. Claim it. Um, I think I've got yours up on my screen here. Yeah, yours is unclaimed, um, Jay. Well, so you probably. I guess go I'm gonna have to out. go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go claim that. Uh, yeah, go claim it. I'll check it out. Hey there, fellow podcasters. This is Tori Barker of the Creative Visionaries Podcast, and I'm excited to introduce you to Podtask. The all-in-one platform designed to streamline your workflow and take your show to the next level. If you're tired of feeling overwhelmed by the tasks required to manage your podcast, then check out Podtask, where you can easily streamline your podcasting process and simplify your workflow. Say goodbye to the stress of managing multiple tasks and deadlines, and hello to a more efficient and productive podcasting experience. And it doesn't just stop there. Podcast also offers AI-based marketing tools that give your podcast a competitive edge. As a fellow podcaster, I know from experience how important it is to have a reliable and efficient tool like Podcast to keep you on track. It helps save me so much time in post-production, which allows me to focus on what really matters, creating great content for my listeners. So if you're ready to take your podcast to the next level, Head over to podcast.com and sign up for a free forever plan and get started today. Um, so, okay. So you, you, you were doing the software first, you running your, your QA company and there was a suggestion made. I'm going to like basically echo what you just said. And that, that kind of was my experience as well. Like, so my, company suite centric is in the NetSuite consulting space and we're a reseller of, of the NetSuite software platform and you know we talked about podcasting several years ago i remember and um when it was it was brought to me kind of like it was brought to you um and i was the same i was like there's no chance like i have nothing relevant or fascinating that i want to you know every week talk about when it comes to software um I love software development. Don't get me wrong. It's very creative and problems. I love all the problem solving aspects of it, but it's not something that really I'm like wildly passionate about that want to have, you know, dialogues with other people around. Um, but I came, I came around to it. My journey to it is a little different than yours, like, um, to where I finally found podcasting, but all right. So you got into about, I think you said, you know, within the last 12 months, um, you started, you know, putting the concept of your show together, kind of thinking of this concept of kind of that customer acquisition process. What, did, what does it take to acquire your first customer? So let's stay there. Let's, t- let's stay in your concepting phase. What did that look like for you as you started to go from this very loose concept to really fine tuning it, to putting your podcast pitch together, your premise um, thinking about your equipment, like the whole thing. I really want to dive into like when you started your first actual episode interview. I think, I mean, uh, I don't know how common this is for podcast host. I wasn't and still am not a avid podcast listener. 
I, it didn't, you know, I have some that I've listened to, um, you know, semi-regularly. There's like a couple of cool ones that I like that my wife and I will listen to on road trips and stuff, like, you know, some comedy ones or like the true crime ones and stuff like that. But I was never really a big podcast listener. So I didn't really understand that it was going to be an informative podcast. You have to do a lot of homework. You have to do a lot of work to present for 15 or 10 or five minutes of, of just valuable content. And it kind of struck me at one point, like, Oh, I'll just interview people. And I also know a ton of business owners because I have a ton of clients in that space that would be great to interview. So, um, I kind of just put it all together in the sense that, you know, look, I don't like to half-ass things typically. So, you know, if I'll kind of go middle of the road, you know, a little blue Yeti microphone here was like 120 bucks. Got the arm here that kind of hangs out. You know, I've got, I just got this upgraded my camera recently, um, to an actual Canon T6 that I had sitting in a drawer somewhere, which, which actually was a fun little, uh, project. But, uh, as far as the concept goes, I realized I should, you know, they tell you to do five or 10 episodes in the bank before you put them out. So you're not on like a scramble to get guests. Um, I haven't had any trouble getting guests just because everybody likes to talk about their business and likes to talk about themselves and their journey. So it's super easy. Um, but it was really just who's going to be on first. What am I going to ask them? That was, a, you know, obviously like, a, mm -hmm. you don't want to sound like an idiot. Um, I don't want to be, I didn't want to make it. When I look back at my original episodes, I realized at some point that I was talking too much and I was like, I was giving too much of my story, which wasn't the point of the podcast. So at some point I kind of honed my question list down, shortened into a lot to like five or six really good questions that I kind of keyed off of, but then I made it just more conversational and, and kind of dug into the, my uh, guest story instead of like trying to kind of like parlay it back to myself and my story, I would just kind of weave through different things I found interesting. I would try to pull out little nuggets of things. So it just kind of conceptually all came together to where it is today. I feel like it's in a much better place than I'm almost, you know, you're almost like embarrassed of like your, your very first episodes. Cause I go back and I'm like, that's not what I was trying to do. Like what I'm trying to do is what I'm doing now where it's very focused. It's very tight. You know, I let people talk. Uh, I, I try to draw out some things that I think will be really helpful for founders because, you know, the first customers and it, it's a, it's a very simple concept, but in reality, it's not just for like entrepreneurs who don't have a business. Like I know so many business owners who don't know how to like they have customers, but they don't understand how to get the common thread of what those, what those customers are. And then like you really identify like who is your target and then you modify your product a little bit to suit that target better. And then you can target better. And then your product gets, and it's like this like really cool feedback loop that people yeah. start to develop like once they identify their customer. So yes, it's about, the first customer, but it's also kind of about the journey to, to understanding how the hell do you get somebody to pay you for a service or a product um, from scratch. And that's, that's kind of been the fun part of the journey. And what, going back to when you started out in podcasting, was there like, what were you modeling off of? Was there, you know, another podcast or two that you kind of, okay, when I set my interview structure and the intro and the outro, like, and put everything together, I, I want to model it off of, you know, so-and-so was there, or did you just kind of really. like, okay. Not really. I just sat down and was like, what are some questions that I that would kind of get me the results I would like, you know, I, I, when I did my, a little further along when I went and found somebody to do my little intro, like trailer teaser thing for YouTube, mm -hmm. um, 
I did have something like the, I love Theo Vaughn as a comedian. So like I had somebody go look and I like his intro to his podcast. And I sent that to my guy and was like, Hey, can you use this to, you know, cut, cut up some of my clips of my guests laughing and stuff over the first 10 to 15 episodes and create me this trailer. But as far as the original concept goes, no, I, I man, I, I'm sure there was, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not trying to say that I was like super original. I like, came up with this concept, but I literally just opened up Evernote and just started like writing down questions of like, who was your first customer? You know, uh, how did you get them? What would you do if you were to start over today? Um, I try to tie in a little bit of, um, you know, the health to it because I, I'm kind of a, I believe that like physical and mental and emotional health kind of all comes together to be a really good founder. And so yeah. I kind of tied some of that in at the end. And um, it was just, I kind of just winged it, man. I, and, and I tweaked that over time. And then I even went back to like chat GPT and tried to like have that help me write some questions. But I still just gravitate back to my original list of like, here's my bang, bang, bang. Like, and it, they're just, they prompt good responses. So it was just kind of spitballing, writing and erasing stuff. And then finally came up with a good list that, that, you know, that works. Okay. And so, you know, over time now that you've been doing, and, and let me ask, are you, do you publish bi-weekly, weekly? What's your publication schedule? I do Tuesdays and Thursdays right now, just because I got so many in the queue because I use LinkedIn automation for mm-hmm. uh, my software testing agency. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the mistake of opening that up to the podcast. So like any founder that was in my network, I also reached out and was like, Hey, would you like to be my, and I got like, hundreds of responses to be on the podcast. So like I was just lined up for months and doing two to three a day. Yeah. Um, and just had so many in the vault that it, it, you know, I had to start doing it more than weekly. Okay. Well let's kind of stay there then because, um, that's a, that's quite a workload to manage. And so I'm going to ask a a number of questions. I'm just going to kind of package them all up together. So like number one, how have you balanced the time? between your podcast world and your CEO world running this um, QA company. So that's question number one. How do you balance the two? And then I guess the second part of this will be, have you evolved your, like anything in terms of the admin or the business side of your podcasting? Have you evolved it over time to make it, to streamline the process, I guess? So again, um, you know, First question, how do you balance everything? How do you keep it all like in line? Because I know you also you have five kids, so that's, that's another thing you got to balance. <laughs> how do you balance all that? And then secondarily, um, what sort of changes have you made over time that have helped you streamline? I'm a huge delegator. So uh, to answer your first question, I learned how to build an operations layer at my business that is very efficient. And the only thing that, people need me for is occasional opinions on bigger questions. And then I do sales and marketing. So my job is really to line it up, you know, sales discovery calls. And then I hand it off to the rest of my team to do scoping, contracting, onboarding, execution, customer retention stuff. Like all that stuff is basically handled. So I have, I'm not going to save a bunch of free time, but as far as running the day to day stuff, I have a fantastic team that handles most of that. So I have a lot of freedom to do the other things that I want to do, you know, networking and marketing and doing those other things. So I I put this in the bucket of marketing, right? It's not directly related to my business, but I know for a fact that if I get the right people on, I get on the right people's feeds, it will lead to business. 
you know, point blank. It's just, it's, it's, it's common sense that if you're in the sphere of CTOs and CEOs that could use your services, you'll get some of them. Now, mm-hmm. I may eventually do a more targeted podcast towards my actual target customer, you know, CTOs of software development companies that kind of hones it in a little bit. Um, but I've certainly involved this. I evolved it just like I evolved everything else. Like when it, I use a lot of virtual assistants. Um, I hate, okay. I hate that phrase, by the way. I hate the first, it's like such a like nineties phrase, like virtual assistants, just like we're all, everything's virtual. Like, I, don't, I mean, I guess right, right. assistance is the way to say it, but, um, so they run a lot of the JDAQA day-to-day scheduling and email stuff and like contracts, like a bunch of just kind of like stuff that they can bang out that I don't have to deal with. I've slowly pieced that in. And even before this episode, I was working on tomorrow's episode and you know, I'm a huge tools guy. So like things like Descript are huge for me to just go in and bang, 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 bunch out, of, you know, knock out a bunch of um, kind of mundane tasks, like cleaning up audio a little bit, taking out the dead space, removing filler words, all that sort of stuff is really cool for Descript. And then, you know, all the scheduling stuff, for example, for a first customer is handled by my assistant team. Every Everything. They do my guest spots, they do my host spots, they go on Podmatch for me to find new guests and new hosting mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, they do my cover art, they do uh, all the posting on social for me, and I'm just about to the point where I'm gonna have them doing running Descript, you know, nice. probably putting some of the episode descriptions together in ChatGPT because quite frankly, it's close enough at this point that I'm pretty happy with, you know, the, the form, you know, the the prompts that I've set up. So long story short is, you know, kind of just do everything manually, figure out which pieces are monotonous and just like I have to do over and over and over again that like kind of start to drag on me. Cause as soon as something feels like work, I'm out. Like I, I, I just, it drives me crazy. Like, and I don't want this to feel like work. So I, I've enjoyed yeah. the process. I enjoy talking to people, but you know, some of the editing stuff becomes a grind, right? Like uploading to YouTube and putting all the captions in and like doing all, so all that stuff it's stuff that I'm slowly handing off to my assistants to do that stuff. And if you're doing it offshore, the rates are reasonable. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of buying my time back. And even if I'm not making money directly on this podcast, I'm still buying my time back for other things if I have them do the podcast editing and other, you know, all the other stuff that, that needs to be done. So slowly but surely, just, you know, streamline the process where I should really just have to get on the air. And then after that, you know, the reminder emails should be automated. The uh, you know follow-up emails from my team should be automated or done by my assistant staff. Cutting mm-hmm. up the clips, uh, editing the podcast, posting on all the places it needs to be posted, all the kind of pieces that are just like, oh, God, i got to do this again, uh, should be handed off, and I should hopefully just get to do the fun stuff. That's my goal, at least. So I love that you're talking about that, and um – I think a lot of people that get into podcasting don't really understand that it, it really should be kind of treated as a business to some respect because, um, you know, one thing I'll share is, so I used to have this podcast called The Change, which was on mental health and servant leadership, and I loved it, but it was massively time-consuming, and it, it was not sustainable um, just in how I set it up. Um, you know, I was interviewing authors, and so when you're interviewing authors, like, you know, you're going to want to do some research and, and probably read one of their books, right? Um, I was doing pre-interviews. And so I wanted to ask also if you do, do you do pre-interviews or do you just get, you just go right in the interview? I just wing it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where, so um, ultimately, you know, I had to table the change as I started to um, focus on PodTask, which is um, my podcast management software. And when I, when I decided to get back into podcasting with Beyond the Microphone, I was very intentional about how I set everything up from start to finish because I, you know, kind of focusing on it as a business. I mean, I knew that, you know, if I wanted to avoid the burnout, I can't invest, I can't set it up where it's going to be a massive time consumer. Um, cause I've got, you know, like you, I've got a, a ton of other things that I'm getting involved in. So, um, anyway, intentionality and kind of, you know, having purpose behind even just like, all right, like, so booking guests, like, do I do the pre-interview? Do I just go right into just doing the, you know, just, we'll just do the interview. Like, I don't need to have a pre-conversation. I'm just curious, like all, you know, the different podcasters that I speak to on this podcast, like where everybody's kind of take is with that. And I know it's going to be different, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to stay on the topic of virtual assistants. Cause I think it's going to be something that, you know, people listening to the show, they're going to be very attuned to because even for myself, I don't use virtual assistants and I, I wouldn't even really know how to go find ones that are super relevant in the podcasting space. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about finding your VAs and how you kind of trained them on what you do and how that process has evolved over time? So it's funny because I also have a couple other little side ventures and virtual assistants, people have the same problem with virtual assistants in general in every industry, right? For for development agencies, for marketing agencies, whatever they are, like people don't really know how to use VAs. Like they know where they are. You can probably find them on, you know, online or whatever. It's on Upwork or wherever you want to look for them. Um, but I have also thought about VAs for podcasters specifically, like a, like a service that's like, here's what they will do for you, right? Not like a big production studio, but if you want a virtual assistant to kind of be your right-hand person to walk you through the process. So it is very topical that you brought that up but uh it is a it's just like using a va for anything else um this guy marcel um i had on my podcast and he was on some sales thing i saw one time and so he was saying like you're gonna need a, a va before you think you do and it always stuck with me and i was like I probably should get a VA. Like I have all this stuff I'm doing. Like shouldn't I have a VA? And like, I couldn't, I must've been, I've interviewed 50 people over the course of like three days. Like I went on Upwork and I tried to find like every, you know, VA with good reviews and the price range I wanted. And I've interviewed and just, I couldn't figure out what the hell I wanted them to do. It was driving me crazy. I'm like, like, what am I even like? I know I need these people, but what did you am not I have like the do? job description kind of written up first, or what? Not were you? really, not really, because like you just you're like I want a virtual assistant that's going to help me with be like you know email, but even like if you like, it's so easy to generalize what you think you want them to do, but then you sit down and you go to train them, you're like I don't even know what I want these people to do on a daily basis. It's like very frustrating situation, at least for me. I couldn't figure it out, so I literally, and this is something I would suggest everybody does. I sat down and I wrote every single thing I did down for a full week. Everything. All like I'm, you know, responding to an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spend this time to check my LinkedIn uh, messages. I'm doing this time to do my scheduling. I'm doing this time to you do what. I, and I finally like started to pair off the things where it's like now my VAs completely run my email. All three of them have access to my email. Now some of this re- like requires 
you to trust the people that you work with, right? So there's going to be some, like, you got to take a little bit of leap here where it's like you got to, it's it, you know, there's some risk involved. I, mean, I don't have anybody, like, with access to my bank account or anything, but um, I, I paired off all the individual things that were eating up my time throughout the week, and I just started ticking off the boxes, and I did that with my business, and now I'm doing the same thing with my podcast. Like, it's very clear, like, the Descript thing. Like, why am I doing that? I'm literally opening up Descript. I'm importing the files. I'm right-clicking on remove filler words. I'm exporting the file. I'm sticking in Audacity. I'm putting my, you know, thing in the beginning. I'm putting my thing at the end. I'm hitting export. I go to Buzzsprout. It's like, if you can, if you have steps to anything like that, like, you can hand it off. And that's where I started, like, really started to, like, harness the power of virtual assistants because it's just like, if you can... If you can screen record it or you can write the steps down to it, then you can probably delegate it to somebody else. And it's a very straightforward process. So I went to Upwork. Like I said, I interviewed a million people. Like I didn't need to do that. Uh, it was mainly because I didn't know what I needed a VA for at the time. But once I found one, now I have kind of a lead VA who's literally my right-hand lady. She's like, Christine like runs my life. Like she has life, she has she has access to my personal calendar. It's almost like Tim Ferriss and like the four hour work week. Like she has access to my personal calendar. She has access to my work calendar. Like if she knows I'm sick, she'll like reschedule everything. If she sees that I have too much stuff, she'll be like, Hey, like I see you have all this stuff. Like maybe we'll reschedule this for like next week or like she'll, she'll reply to emails. She's been working with me so long now at this point. Well, not that long, but I guess like a year. She replies to emails and sound more like I do than I do. Like she knows my cadence. She knows the way I talk. And there's some, like, again, there's a lot of trust there and you got to build that up over time sometimes. But the podcast thing is easy. Like that's just like stupid, simple stuff for the most part that like, what are you going to do in audacity? You're going to like click normalize. You're going to go to noise reduction. You're going to do the compressor. Like this is all stuff that anybody can do. And like, again, buy your time back. Like it's going to be worth your time if, if it's saving you, especially doing an episode a week. Like that's, it's a no brainer to pay somebody, you know, maybe five to $10 an hour to do that for two hours a week. I love that you're calling it buying your time back too, because I mean, there's a cost to it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think at the end of the day, it becomes a math equation. Like I could put myself on billable work, my software company make 300 bucks an hour or, you know, so that if I do that, obviously I'm going to make more money than if I'm spending time or you could be landing a clients. transcript or something, right? You could be landing new clients, and like, how valuable yeah, exactly. is that? You know what I mean? Like, if you, if, if I, I, the way I justified it was, if I paid a VA ten hours a week, and I pay him ten or ten hour, 40, 40 hours a week, or sorry, forty hours a month, so ten hours a week at ten dollars an hour, that's four hundred bucks. If I can't land a four hundred dollar deal in forty hours over a month, then I'm in the wrong. I'm. I should. Somebody else should be doing my job, right? And I can damn sure land one deal for $400 in a month's worth of time. And then you expand that out, you know, and it just multiplies. It just gets bigger and bigger the amount of the bigger things you can hand off. Couldn't agree more. And I just think it's such a perspective thing. I mean, because people, you know, I, I, I work with all sorts of different podcasters. Some have big budgets, some have little budgets, and everybody wants to, it seems, kind of do everything on their own, right? Um, and that's, I understand that, like, oftentimes there are not large budgets and, and you're already having to pay for a lot of different things, Buzzsprout, um, the script, this, that, the other thing. And, but I love that you're kind of talking about, you know, this, you know, buying your time back because it really, everybody should kind of think that way. And especially, you know, all the commentary you gave about like the fact that you went and kind of looked at every single thing that you do, like at a very detailed granular level, 
I invite everybody to do that and really break down like, you know, what are the, the most strategic uses of my time towards the podcast? Like where, like, what are the things I, I definitely can't hand this off? These are my tasks. And then what's everything else? And can you, you know, find a good VA to, to hand everything else off? I mean, really and, just uh, recording, right? Like recording is like at the end of the day, like that should be in, in a perfect world. The only thing you can't delegate is recording. Like just about yeah. everything else you can hand off. Uh, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I would totally agree with that. All right, so as we get into close mode here, um, I ask everybody the same kind of two questions on the theme of discoveries. And so the first question for you is, just in the year or so of you know being a podcaster, what are some discoveries you've made about podcasting itself, maybe the business of podcasting that you just perhaps weren't aware of before you got into it? I didn't know it was a business. I didn't know there was like a whole ecosystem, especially Podmatch, which is a fantastic service, a uh, free plug for Alex there. And Pod Lottery as well for reviews is a great one. Um, I didn't understand the whole, I mean, it makes sense, but I didn't understand there was a whole ecosystem of like people trying to get on them and people trying to host. And it was like this big, you know, underworld of, um, you know, people trying to, to host and guest on podcasts. So I definitely didn't know that. And I didn't, I didn't really realize what, what a good podcast to support my biz dev efforts would be until I did one, until I kind of dug into it or what kind of podcast I would enjoy doing. I still think I want to do an informative podcast. I'd love to do one. I listened to history of America or history of the United States podcast. And that's, that one's fantastic. Like that's very informative. And it's just like this dude, like literally going from the very beginning until, you know, now about the history of America. And like, that would be cool. I think like going back now, I've, I've discovered that I would, I would like to present some information in that form where I just get to sit down do a lot of homework and just like lay out some sort of episodic, information for somebody because interview as you know interviewing is like i'm not gonna say it's the easy way out but it's like it's an easy way to do podcasts like and i would just i would recommend anybody start with an with an interview-based podcast because then you don't have to line up 50 episodes of content you just have to find people and people want to be on podcasts it's just you know people love to talk i mean look at me i'm here talking the whole time so uh you know i think that would be a suggestion of mine it's like i've discovered that i want to do that and that it's much easier to do interview-based because you just have to have a list of questions. And if you can be a somewhat relatable human being, you can kind of navigate through and pick up stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun process. I want to make sure that that point gets emphasized because I, I couldn't agree more with that, that the interview format is, it is a lot less work for the host because, yeah, I mean... And I'm happy to share it because this is a podcast about podcasting. I mean, I kind of start out with this script of it's like 10 questions that are there for me to ask anybody. If I, you know, if there's a conversation lull, I generally don't ever even ask any of those questions except for the two that I kind of am asking right now. Um, because I, you know, I've found that just letting a conversation get organic is truly where the value is. But there are other formats like you spoke about. There's kind of like the the solo or kind of monologue style. And that's, yeah, it's more work. Like, you know, some people can vamp for 30 minutes or even an hour just talking about, you know, something that's on their mind and kind of have it structured. I'm not one of those type of people. I wish I, I were. And so, um, yeah, there's 
you know, for people that are looking to get started, there are different formats like that you can that you can apply. I mean, you can do a hybrid, you can do co-host. Um, so I'm glad that you touched on that because it's something I actually have never on on the 25 or so episodes I've recorded on Beyond the Microphone. You're the pers- first person to kind of um, delineate that difference and, and uh, kind of describe the different styles of work that are behind the different formats. So I'm glad you brought that up. Final question for you as we close here today, again on the theme of discoveries. In your, you know, relatively short, you know, but experienced podcast journey, what discoveries have you made about yourself personally that surprised you? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> it's going to sound wrong, but it's easier to be, it's easier to put on the face than I thought, right? Like you see the guys, like the, the my kids watch YouTube all the time and they watch these god-awful like fake family people that are just like, oh, happy. And I'm like, you know, I could never be one of those guys what I told myself forever. But there is some degree of it that you can turn on and turn off. You just have to as part of the podcast. I mean, you know, we talk before this and we talk a little bit different and then we get on the mic and we're like, you know, much more animated and a little more clear and, you know, a little more excited um, because that's what people want to, they want to listen. They don't want to listen to somebody boring, monotone speaking. So I think probably one of the biggest things is that I, I can feel comfortable while doing that. You know, I, I can I can turn on a persona, which isn't I would say very similar to who I all broadcasters life. do it, right? It's but it's it's I think it's it's a um it's an intimidation. It's intimidating before you start doing. You think I couldn't do that because I don't have that in me, but like everybody can do that. Like nobody, there's nothing special about it. It's just you have to kind of start to. And it was awkward as shit at first. Like you just try to figure it out. You're like, I guess I'll just mumble through this and like figure out what's ex- you know what what people want to listen to, but it does become better and the more you know repetitious you know time you have in the saddle uh the better you get at it so i would say that's probably the biggest thing fantastic thank you so much for all your insight and um you know experiences that you've shared with us today i think a lot of what you've shared with us today is super helpful um very enlightening again you kind of like brought some things um you know, to the four that we haven't discussed here today. So, Jay, thank you so much for being a guest here today. Love the show, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Jay Egner grew his company, JDAQA, from a one-man software testing consultancy to a seven-figure testing agency powerhouse with 60-plus employees. He is a father of five, amateur astrophotographer, student pilot, hockey player, and podcast host. His five for five... 5 a.m. wake up, workout, full body stretch, meditation and journaling is his foundation for kicking ass. Beyond the Microphone is sponsored by Podtask. Whether you're just starting out in podcasting or you've been at this a while and are looking to save time so you can focus on creating amazing content for your listeners, go check out Podtask, a podcast management and marketing platform designed by podcasters for podcasters. With Podtask's automated workflow and AI-based marketing tools, you'll save time and sanity and be better equipped to grow your podcasts. If you're enjoying Beyond the Microphone, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, as well as to our YouTube channel. You can find links to all of these in our episode show notes. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Microphone.
Beyond the Microphone is produced and distributed by EIQ Media Group, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on entrepreneurship, overcoming adversity, stories of emotional courage, women's health, aging, and more.